Good morning. This is Danger Dan, and you are listening to The Talk Shop. Today's episode I recorded with Nick, one of the founders of Mezcal Moto Rally, uh, before I left Texas, and we did a little recap, uh, got some feedback on how he thought the race went, and some information about next year's race and even the future races. And uh, he told me a couple stories you know, things I didn't know that happened on the race. Pretty fucking rad. And, uh, you know, I think I t- probably talked a little bit about the rest of my trip after the race. And, uh, man, make sure you're following the Mezcal Moto Rally. And, uh, dude, Nick also has a company called Clay's Imports where he makes tiles and stuff in Mexico and brings them to America. Specifically, Austin is where he has his home base. And uh, if you're interested in anything to get your house tricked out in a little bit more Mexico, like, check out Clay's Imports and listen to the rest of this podcast. All right. I had somebody reach out recently uh, asking who plays this song in the intro and the outro. That is Extermination Day. That was a clip sent to me or a song sent to me uh, from Heavy, dude. Heavy Clothing. Zach had those guys. uh, I don't know if he had them recorded or that was just one of their songs. But uh, Thou Shall Not Hassle is a phrase you'll see on a lot of Heavy Clothing. And if you enjoy it, check out Extermination Day and Heavy Clothing. Now, it is, hopefully I'm sitting on my chopper right now as you're listening to this riding to Sturgis. Uh, There's a lot of things going on in Sturgis this year. I will be there hopefully Saturday at some point landing at the Tropical Pool Party in Deadwood. The Harley-Davidson booth with the Prism Supply guys, dude, throwing a fucking pool party in Sturgis. And my first thought was a fucking pool party. I mean, dude, it's probably going to be fucking raining and cold because uh, the past few years have been so warm. And it's like like right now the monsoon season has hit pretty early here in, in New Mexico. It's been raining every day. But anyways, I pulled up the forecast, and it's supposed to be in the 90s. It was 100 degrees in Sturgis yesterday. So Pool party starting to sound pretty fucking awesome. So hopefully you guys will be there. Uh, Saturday I'll be at, or it's not Saturday, Sunday, I will definitely be in Deadwood at the Harley booth doing the Choppers Magazine Chopper Show. It's going to be FXRs as well, apparently. And Dinas, what the fuck? But what we're going for is the choppers. I'm going to be doing a kickstart competition just like in Daytona. I got some White's boots to give away, some a gift card to Lowbrow Customs. That's right, dude. Speaking of Lowbrow Customs, they came through strong. I got some new Bates Bajas for the chopper, some Pan Am oil, and a couple of fuel bottles for my trip. Went over to my buddy Tyler's house, and we put the tires on, dude. Taking the, the tire off my rear wheel, like just breaking the bead, fucking rust and dirt and all sorts of shit was just flying out of that motherfucker. Pulled the rim strip off, and dude, that fucking wheel has seen better days. 
Uh, but we took a wire wheel to it and cleaned it up and threw some fresh rubber on there, and I am ready to roll. Because after the Choppers Magazine Chopper Show, there is going to be a race at the Jack Pine Gypsy Short Track, brought to you by my man, Jeremy Prack, a flat-out Friday. The American World Hooligan Finals. Dude, and there's also going to be the Danger Dan Spectator TT. And you just run what you brung, man. Whatever you got, put it on the track. They're going to charge us 20 bucks to, like, pretty much cover insurance. And, uh, dude, we're going to get to ride on the same track as, the like, the real hooligan dudes on your fucking street bikes on the track. It's going to be fun. Monday and Tuesday night at the Jack Pine Gypsy Short Track. I'm really stoked about that, and I got that, the Fresh Bates Bajas to fucking smoke all you motherfuckers, dude. I don't care what you brought. Hopefully, Ethan will have, Ethan's having his race bike shipped up there. He's riding his new Indian. So, hopefully, we can get him to put that new Indian on the track and, and ride that race with us. Uh, but I hope that you're going to be there on your fucking bike, on the track with me, racing. I'm stoked. So... And then uh, you got the Sportster Showdown at the, what do we call it? The Camp Zero at the Buffalo Chip. Michael Lichter's show, Emergent Virgin, Motorcycles as Art, will be displayed all week long at the Buffalo Chip. And I got a bunch of rad friends that are going to have bikes and fucking photos and art displayed all week long, thanks to Michael. So make sure if you're in Sturgis, you make time to go check that out. Uh, The Full Throttle. Vintage Chopper show, I think is happening on Monday. Roadside Marty will be there. You got to go see Roadside while you're in town. And uh, what else is happening? Dude, there's going to be parties all week long. Uh, Sasha Cycles is doing rodeo games at Camp Zero. Fucking Oliver Peck and Tattoo Troubadour Alan Wayne Nichols with his girl Lulu Viper will be doing tattoos all week too. Now, they're going to be riding and going to a bunch of shows as well, so you better get in with them soon and fucking book a time to get some ink if you want that to happen. Um, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited to sit on my chopper and ride north. I hope that you find me at one of these shows. Um, dude, there's a bunch of awards we're giving away at the Choppers Magazine. I saw it this morning, but, of course, I don't have it in front of me now. Um. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And if you can't make Sturgis, make sure you have the Virginia City Roundup on your calendar because that is later this month, August 26th and 27th in Virginia City, Nevada, brought to you by Choppers Magazine, FXR Bazaar. It's going to be a fucking rodeo. Chopper show, FXR show. That's going to be a good one. And I've got... Another round of tickets to give away along with the tattoo from Tony, Tony Medellin. So go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com, sign up to become a patron, five bucks a month, keeps gas in my tank, keeps this show on the road. And I got a $100 gift card from Lowbrow Customs to give away each month and tickets to the Virginia City Roundup. And I'll probably give those away when I get back from Sturgis. And uh, somebody will get a set of tickets and a, a tattoo from Tony Medellin. 
I think Clean's going to be up there doing tattoos as well. So that's going to be a fun show, and they'll let you ride a bull if you want to. Oh, man. I wish I was going to be there for that one, but it ain't happening. That same weekend, actually, is going to be the Southern Throwdown Texas. Oh, my gosh. My wife's out here fucking taking photos of me. And uh, that's happening at the Yellow Rose Canyon. So, dude, hopefully I'll be there at that. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah, go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now for your T-shirt of the month club. Right now my wife is sporting the Rick Cycle Parts shirt from, where are they from? Rainsville, Alabama. That was a <clears throat> shirt we did with uh, Lee Bullock. I drew a picture that uh, actually drew it based off of a photo that my friend Brian Helm took in Tennessee at the Motorcycle Music Revival. But what's awesome is she's wearing that. That's from like two years ago. In this last month, we featured a shop called George's Cycle Shop out of Montrose, Colorado. And I found a picture while I was in his shop that Lee painted of him years ago. So we used that picture and made another shirt. You know, things fucking come around circle. But, uh, this month's featured shop is my boy Giveaway Clay, man. Giveaway Clay, uh, if you go to Swap Meets, you've met Clay, dude. He's a swapper. He sells a lot of shit on eBay. You know, he's not the typical service shop, but he fucking loves motorcycles, and he sells old Chevy parts, and he rides. He's always building fucking badass pan heads, and he's just a rad dude. And, uh, man, I love getting to see him out and about, so... Clay's Parts is this month's featured shop, man, uh, which is cool. Uh, Nick out of Birmingham did some artwork, which I always love Nick's shit. Nick's got, dude, Nick's got a bunch of rad shit, and he sells his own T-shirts as well. So if you like his art, you can go buy that shit all the time because he's got it. Because MC Shop Tees, you got to be signed up already. If you weren't signed up by the end of last month, you're not getting a Clay's Parts shirt. So tough luck man tough luck but get signed up so you don't miss out on future shops dude we've got um man i've got some rad shops coming up we're gonna feature sasha cycles out of sturgis we got uh jay cruz is working on artwork for power plant um dude we got some rad shops in the works so make sure you go sign up it's gonna you know they're only available through MC Shop Tees, and once you see it, it's too late. you got to support all the local shops, man. And I also got some artwork being done by uh, somebody in South America for a shop out of Central America. So, rad things in the works. Sign up at MC Shop Tees. we got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. So, we got one for everybody in the family. And uh, what else we got, dude? Oh man, hold we got I'm going to pause this for a second. Okay, scratch that. I was going to read you some funny shit I found on Google when you type in Sturgis 2022, but fuck it. Let's get into this podcast with Nick from the Mezcal Moto Rally. All right, dude, you want to in 1877? Remember when we were talking about mineral wells? Yeah. This is they bottled up some of that crazy water and put some mangoes in it. And uh, here we go. So this is the, ri the river water that we're. No, this is the crazy water. 
Oh, you mean like the natural spring? Maybe. Maybe that's what I mean. That's what mineral wells is, right? It's the natural springs? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, I don't know as much about it as I would like. But I do know that the Baker Hotel was built on the premise of healing people. You know, there was fucking rich oil people, oil tycoons, fucking mm-hmm. gangsters. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I was just saying earlier about yeah, the oil. Yeah, that, that like falls that. right in place with the mm-hmm. story you were telling me, huh? Mm-hmm. So how is everybody that was on the Mez Cow Moto Rally? Mm. Rob had a little after party at his shop. Yeah? And that was very gracious of him. He hosted, I mean, great hospitality. And we set it up for like a, we set it up for a, uh, you know, just like a get-together for all the riders that, that came back. Yep. Mm. But then we had a whole bunch of other people show up just out of interest. Really? So you, like, put the date out there to everybody? Or it was just friends of friends? Friends of friends. Okay. We didn't advertise it or anything. Mm. Basically, we opened, that was, I guess, a month after the rally. And... We have that party at Rob's place. We open up registration for two hours and sold out. Filled up. Filled up. Yep. We got filled up. Yeah, and it's a small registration. We upped it from fourteen to sixteen. And then with the organizers we got uh me, Amanda, and Sebastian from last year. He's one of the organizers now. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, he's volunteered his services, so we're very grateful for that. So I've come up with some pretty good ideas to contribute next year. For the rally stops? Y- yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, not even, no, for th- for the rally points. Yeah. Um, yeah, we filled up registration in those two hours, and most of it, the majority, was people from 2022 rally. Oh, yeah, some repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. What do they call themselves now? They say they're, uh, what do they say? The even slow tonier, no, slower they, tonios? They, they, yeah, they all joined. They all got Ducatis now. They all got Ducatis. Multistradas. They went from fucking... Uh, mm-hmm. Big Harleys to Multistradas. One of them was on a Yamaha or something, right? No, Triumph. Triumph. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, um, Fran. Fran, that's right. He's probably going to stick with that Triumph. Um, yeah, so all, the majority of the 16, they were repeats from last year. And then we got, man, we got a good new crew, man. A bunch of people showed up, new people. Uh, the majority, dude, it's, um, and Triumph could sponsor this thing. There's so many Triumphs. Okay, hold on. Before we start talking about next year, give me your, you know, how did the race go? Like, we, I mean... You had plenty of time to think about this race before it happened. Yeah. How did it go compared to what you were dreaming up? Uh, well, there were three things. There was the planning, there was my dream, and then there's what actually happened. <laughs> so uh, the planning went pretty much according to plan. Okay. Pretty much according to plan. Um, I mean, that's good. More people made it than I thought were going to make it the whole way through. I thought some people were just going to end up. Stay in the night. So I didn't know that there was a guy that didn't make it until like mm-hmm. later, until you guys told me, I think, at the when you guys came over and shot the video. 
Yeah, one guy didn't make it. Um, he, when did we lose him the first day? He made he and he made it to the first checkpoint, Saldillo. Yeah, hung out with us for the night, stayed the night there, and the next morning he turned around and I'm putting some stuff on the website right now, um, mescalmotorally.com. I'm putting some stuff on the website about. Just some more details about recommended bikes. His biggest holdup was <laughs> his biggest holdup well, was a bike he took. What did he take? BMW GS650, and it was basically too small and it was geared too low for all that highway riding we were doing. Oh, okay. Mm. So he was at high RPMs. The bike was real vibrating, and he was just burning through fuel on a three-gallon gas tank. So that's more of a dirt bike. Yeah. And in fact, that's, I mean, he was anticipating more off-road stuff. Uh, but man, if we had more off-road with the mileage we were doing, that would have been a week-long trip one way. Yeah. I mean, I threw in mm-hmm. quite a bit of off-roading and I was at the last one every day. Yeah. So if everyone just stuck to the highways and byways that we had routed out, one way was just about 1,300 miles. So it would have been 2,600 round trip. We had some people log up to 4,000 um, th- there and back. Hey, I'm still logging. <laughs> I haven't even turned around yet, dude. Yeah, so it went according to plan, pretty much, the one guy who didn't make it, his big holdup was the bike. He turned around, went back. Uh, but it was cool. He ended up flying into Oaxaca, met up with us there, stayed the last night in Oaxaca with us. and Where was he from? Colorado. Oh, okay, that was the Colorado guy. Yeah, Colorado. Uh, yeah, so we got several out-of-state people now from another one from Colorado, somebody from Wyoming, and then California. Now, early on, you you had a pick of who you thought was going to win. You were pretty – you had a couple of guys in mind. Oh, yeah. Did did you – Well, my prediction was Sebastian, and he's the one that won. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, my second place pick or, you know, between two people, it was uh, – um, Adrian on the GS twelve fifty. Oh yeah, uh, and dude, he did it like without, he was right there, right? Without he was any second. struggle. No, well, he didn't do many rally challenges though, but he breezed through everything. Uh, yeah, I want to really talk about bikes more on the website or write more about the bikes that people rode. Um, obviously, I mean, and I guess I underestimated that. I, I, I ride a GS twelve hundred, um, but man, the bike is so much of the ride, man. Uh, if the bike is, you know, if it's not the right fit, you're really going to struggle on this ride. So we had people with really big bikes, uh, the Harley guys from San Antonio, really big bikes, but they were not designed for getting off the highways. And whenever we got off the highways, they really struggled. Cobblestone stuff, dirt roads. Um, and then Rob's bike, which is ideal for a lot of reasons. Um, but, uh. That, that bike just doesn't have a lot of highway speed. It's just, no. No, it's not. It's not the bike. <laughs> it's not the bike. Rob doesn't have a lot of highway speed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was also on the oldest bike, though, which is pretty fucking cool. Uh, oh, that bike is so rad, and he made it. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, I honestly was so stoked about that because he just doesn't like to ride fast. He just yeah. doesn't. And there was a lot of miles to cover. Yeah. And I knew how much he wanted to, like, enjoy the trip and stop and see things and check shit out. Yeah. And he got to do that as well. I mean, 
He had some long days, though. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, then the second oldest bike was Todd. He was on that, uh, I think it was the R1100R or something like that. Pretty old bike, though, like a 92, 94, something like that. And, man, he was flying, though. Like, he made really, uh, really fast times from checkpoint to checkpoint. Um, so, yeah, it's not just about the year. It's really more the style of the bike, the model. Um, Dude, come on. It's a lot to do with the rider. Yeah, I mean, the rider part, of course, is important. I would say it's a combination of just general experience and the bike. Um, well, I think I've, your general experience can make almost and, any bike work. Well, yeah, and they go hand in hand, too, because, I mean, general experience will kind of guide you towards knowing, uh, you know, checking out the terrain that you're going to be on in advance and knowing what kind of bike you're going to need. Um, yeah, so I'm... I'm Dude, I could have done that on my rigid chopper. Mm. I mean, I'd done most of that ride on my rigid chopper. Uh, yeah, I, that's completely doable, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've done it. Um, but, uh, man, you know, <laughs> the, the next mornings, though, depending on the day you had or the day before, man, the next mornings are, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to get up and get going if you had a hard day before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, you, you actually got a really early start almost. Well, you're also on a really plush bike, though. Oh, it's so plush, dude. <laughs> it really was. And you were cruising at, like, 65. <laughs> dude, I had some throttle issues. I, had, I was in limp mode the whole time. But I also rode all day long, every day. Mm -hmm. All three, well, the next, seven, I did seven days, and just you, like and, the first three. And you were doing, I mean, you were probably doing 12-hour days. Oh, yeah. Seven to seven. Mm. Now, I was stopping quite a, well, you know, I wasn't going from, I wasn't stopping, I was stopping more than I needed to according to my gas. Yeah. I was stopping when I saw some shit. And I also went out of the way, like, I didn't realize it because I didn't read the book until afterwards. I went all the places you said in the book not to go. <laughs> Unintentionally, just just went there, like Mexico City. Uh, what was there was another one that you were like Mon in Monterrey? Don't go to Monterrey. Yeah, don't go to Monterrey. I went right yeah. through the dead center, of Monterrey. Yeah, and then Laredo also. I said don't go through Laredo. Go yeah, to Colombia. Right through there. Yeah. He yeah, went. I was looking to see where they blew that fucking building up, dude. Yeah. I didn't see it though. Yeah, it might have just been in the news or something. I don't even. I I, I looked into that also. I didn't see. I didn't find anything out. Yeah, I, saw, I mean, there was some good report. What's crazy is it was broadcasted more in the news to the people I talked to in California that week. Yeah. In Texas, it wasn't on the news. You had to, like, look for it on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably got to go to one of those, like, Alex Jones websites. Yeah, Infowars.com, they definitely had it, dude. <laughs> That's probably where I got the information. Um, yeah, then the uh, – so the stops every day – that was really cool. Uh, I would say the biggest thing that kind of veered away from the plan was probably those evening reception parties, whatever the hell. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting. I thought people were going to show up more tired and just be like, that's it. I'm going to bed. But, uh, man, people showed up at the, at the checkpoint, hotels. 
ready and to go. Yeah, they were dude. just like showered up and got the hair all slicked back. And I mean, here's the thing. That's one of my favorite things about the way that trip went was leaving each morning, everybody, the majority of everybody going their own separate ways, different times, different no. exact paths, and then meeting back each night to talk about all the experiences. Like everybody was so stoked to like – Finally run into some people that spoke English, you know, to communicate yeah. the shit that they went through that day, which is one, like, as my trip kept going, and it was my first time to be in Mexico that long by myself, I started, you know, immediately, the first night after I left you guys, I'm like, damn, this, did I make the right decision? You know, I just left all those dudes behind, I was having so much fun meeting up with them every night. Yeah. And then, you know, as, as I got better at traveling through Central and South America, I started seeking out English-speaking people because, you know, it's, it's just very comforting to be able to talk about what, what's going on, where I'm going, you know, just all the little things. And that's what I liked about that trip so much was everybody having their own separate experiences and then coming back that night and getting to, you know, relive them and share them and enjoy other people's. Uh, yeah, man. Um Man, uh, and 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 uh, one of those nights, I heard a really cool story from from one of the racers. But uh, oh man, um, just one night. Well, I mean, there was a lot of cool stories. Yeah. But this one story that this guy told me was so outstanding, man. Uh, I'm not gonna say who it is, you know, because it's kind of like a, I don't know, personal story or whatever. But I'll tell the story. I don't think he'll have a problem with that. But this guy, uh, he. His mother passed away uh, shortly before we all went to Mexico, right? And her wish was for her ashes to be spread in Mexico. No way. Yeah, and I didn't know about any of this uh, until after the whole thing was done, after it all happened, and we're at, you know we're sitting there drinking together. And he was telling me the whole thing, but he was riding with one other guy. They get to Real de Catorce, and he's just like, "Yeah, this is the spot." This is where I'm doing that it. That is definitely and, the spot. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he got a little privacy, went to a little kind of secluded area on a hilltop or whatever, spread the ashes and, and uh, you know, had his moment and then got back with his crew and they, they started riding again. But what was so interesting about this guy is, uh, or his story, he kind of came from this background where, his family was telling him when he when they told him uh, he told the family he's like hey I'm gonna go on this, this this rally race right and they're like no you can't go to Mexico it's too dangerous and whatever and he's like no I'm doing it but um, then they all kind of came to a little bit of compromise and when uh, when they were like all right y y that's cool you can do it but you know they had a family friend a mutual friend and they're like but he's gonna go with you like y'all keep an eye on each other. And they were kind of like, uh, I don't know. They went into it kind of expecting the worst, you know, being real defensive and real, like, ready to, like, deal with shit, you know. Uh, and then after the whole thing is done, when they're finally telling me about the whole story, right, uh, they were both just like, man, this is not what we expected. This is, like, we can't wait to come back to Mexico. Um, so anyway, I thought that was just the... The one of the one of the most interesting kind of stories of the whole trip was to see someone go through so much, um, I guess, struggle, you know, before they even took off, 
in fact, I would say the majority of their struggle, based on the stories they told me, the majority of the struggle was before they took off, right? Like getting everyone to be cool and calm with the whole situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then once they were actually out there riding around and doing their thing and, you know, being in all those kind of situations and cities and towns and everything where, where they thought there was going to be like an external yeah, but, situation, but it really, it all comes from inside. Yeah. And, and not only from inside and it ended up being experiences where, they were just like able to think about stuff and and um i i don't know not not in a religious way or whatever but just really kind of like internally spiritualize the whole situation you know and really connect to things that maybe they couldn't connect to back home um man that was probably one of the most inspiring stories i heard the whole trip and there was a lot of cool shit people were telling me but that was definitely one of the most interesting. Um, and then there's all, like, the expected cool shit, you know, like, people seeing crazy shit and, like, coming across uh, roadblocks, you know, and they're like, is this a legit kind of thing or is this, am I getting shook down or whatever. Um, but, and there was definitely some situations, you know, you talked about it before, but there were some situations where, like, if people weren't, you know, witty about it, then it could have ended up kind of bad. But um, fortunately, everything ended up good. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of this. That's, that's, man, that's, I mean, we can't plan that stuff out, but that's part of what we hope for in this experience. Yeah. You hope that people have to act on their toes. Yeah. And experience shit that you're not going to come across, you know, back home on your weekend rides. Um, so, that's kind of the reality of the ride. Those things weren't really planned. You mean you didn't plan on the farmers revolting and shutting down the fucking toll road? Uh, no, you know, like the roadblocks and the fires and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I've experienced it before, but, you know, can't really plan for that kind of stuff. And in some cases, I mean, when, you know, it's like the non-dramatized version of it and that situation just leads to you just sitting on an air-cooled motorcycle stopped in traffic, just waiting. <laughs> uh, it's not always completely enjoyable in the moment, but it's always very memorable. Oh, yeah, tell me memorable. about it, dude. In Ecuador, it was... Right, yeah. I'm glad that the situation in Mexico was, like, localized. Yeah. In Ecuador, it was, like, every fucking where I looked. Yeah. And you can leave that bike running all day long, though. It's going to be all right. So how does that bike? Uh, how, so how did how how did it hold up overall? Dude, the only problem I have right now with that bike is I hit a truck with it. Like the first week I had it, and now there's like some problems coming from the right hand control where I hit that truck. Yeah, yeah, trucks will do that. <laughs> I mean, all I did was fix it with a beer can from the initial hit. So I should have I should have addressed some other things that I just didn't. Yeah. address and here we are now uh yeah man um so yeah the now uh, how did how did like uh you know the what do you i don't want to call them staff but the the people that helped out yeah the know? organizers the yeah. organizers how did they feel about the whole experience um well in the moment i mean the organizing team was really small for that kind of a logistics operation it was I mean, I was one of the organizers for the planning of the thing, but once I'm in there riding, you know, I don't have a lot of control to do much. 
so the primary on the ground during the event organizers were John and my wife, um, Katie. Uh, Katie was the chef who came with us. And Did she cook anything? Yeah, yeah, she cooked that San Miguel, that chicken drumstick that I handed you. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then she was with Rudy. He was the other chef. And Katie and Rudy were both cooking for us at every stop. And they were also the drivers. Well, they didn't cook the first stop. They did not cook the first stop. They were they were they were not. They didn't cook the first stop uh, uh, because they were they were ready to. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, our gracious host showed up with a truckload of meat. The fucking biker club <laughs> showed up and cooked for us, dude. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. It was scheduled, but it was still unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad they came through on that one. That was cool. Oh, it was so cool. Uh, and then um, who else was organizing out there? Your uh, fucking driver. Billy Webb. Billy. Yeah. Billy, who I got a bone to pick with, yeah. dude, because when shit got hairy and we needed some help, that motherfucker just disappeared. He was like, no, no, not me. I'm like, Rob is not here, dude. We have got to go. Dude, I was fixing to hire a car that pulled up full of chickens to take us out into the fucking darkness. Because Billy just disappeared. I mean, yeah. it might have been the right move. Like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you guys want to drive off into the distance, but, yeah, I'm going to disappear so you don't have an option to doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, that was already day three. Billy was pretty tired. <laughs> I mean, just for everyone listening right now, uh, Billy's 77 years old. Uh, he gets around good for 77. Yeah. Yeah. Has he retired down there? Is he living down there full time yet? No, he lives in Austin. Yeah. Yeah, he lives in Austin. He's a Spanish language teacher. Perfect. Yeah, in fact, uh, a bunch of people on the ride, after they got back home, they signed up for Billy's Spanish class. Dude, so. if he was closer, I would do the same right yeah, now. They're all taking Billy's Spanish class. and They play Spanish language board games once a week all together on video calls. Nice. Yeah. He does it by video? Mm-hmm. Oh, so I can sign up for his class is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, then I'm going to do yeah. that. Yeah, I don't I yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know what the criteria is. I mean, I think there's you got to have some basic Spanish to Sabe muy poco. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, hey, have, has your pronunciation improved of San Miguel de Allende? Absolutely not. <laughs> San Miguel de Allende has. I got that one down. <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite unexpected stops. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess it was expected because it was on the, the map. But, dude, that what what a fucking beautiful little city that was, dude. In that taco shop, and you found the spot that I found, mm -hmm. right? Like, did I not find the best taco shop in San Miguel? That was a good one. That yeah. was a good yeah. one, dude. Yeah, my wife and I've been back several times to that. That's a good yeah. one, dude. We'd never been there before. You uh, shared that with us. I mean, for me to stumble upon that. I thought I had seen the city just riding to that. And then I walk out on that patio and see the whole fucking city. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. At sunset? I mean, dude. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks after you released that podcast and you talked about that whole scenario, a couple of weeks after that, my wife and I went to that restaurant. And, uh, man, uh, you, you did a, a great job of describing it. I, I ruined mean, it for you? I mean, no, it was... I mean, you didn't ruin it by any means, because otherwise we wouldn't have shown up there. Because uh, there's so many amazing, beautiful patio restaurants all but over. But that, that one, spot is, dude. yeah, 
Very underrated, man. Um, How I, st- I mean, I'm just saying, for me to just stumble upon that one, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And then that band I found that night on the streets, fucking playing the music. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so after we, re- me, you, and Rob sat down and recorded that first podcast, and then I met your crew. Dude, I got a lot of flack because of things that you were saying. You know. How did how did they feel about my uh, my recap of the adventure? Were they more stoked about it than when I had you on the microphone? And what did they say that you called them like donkeys or something? What what was it? There was something that some smartass comment you made that they were like not letting you live down. What was that? Oh man! Do we even say it again? I, I don't even remember. I really don't. I don't. There remember. was something, dude. I yeah. I was laughing because I did not remember you saying anything like that. I don't know, but uh, I listened to that first podcast when we were at Rob's talking about before the rally, and right when I started slurring, I turned it off. And, <laughs> uh, I I just I have I haven't listened to it since. But the recap podcast you did, man, that was beautiful, man. Really inspirational, and uh, I mean it. And then, yeah, inspirational to a lot of people. Like, I mean, I think almost, uh, I think the majority of the people that signed up, you know, to go for a second year, I think a lot of that was due to the way that you recapped it. Really, it was, um, you know, it was like, like a memoir to everybody's experience. You know, sometimes those experiences are so. Um, powerful and uh, encapsulating that, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to describe it. It's hard to really think back about it. But uh, yeah, listening to it, then, you know, a lot of people are like chuckling, like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Or I heard about that. uh, Yeah, that was really cool, man. That you you really, you really did a great job. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It all came out. I, I have not listened to it, but I remember sitting in that hotel room and just like reliving the experience, <laughs> telling that story, like yeah, I remember you started the story. You were something about they don't uh, they don't allow smoking in, in the hotel. If they did, then you would have a you'd be ashing on the mattress. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I was in a you know I was in a, a pretty wild spot. Uh, you know, it's crazy how di- how much difficulty I have recording podcasts like. You know, I've never – that's a new thing for me to do a solo recap of things. Like, I don't – it's not like I've been practicing that for years. Like, yeah. I haven't been doing that. And, uh, you know, I feel I, – I put a lot of thought into, like, the, just the mo- – like, right now, where we're sitting down right now, we're having this conversation, there's no distractions. Like, you know, there was some thought put into doing this. And on the road, I just, like, not any place will do, you know? Like, I get real particular yeah. about just the situation and, yeah, I don't know. Uh, or may, and maybe I just use excuses to not do it while I'm out. I, I haven't figured it out. And, and well, t- maybe technical stuff also, you know? I mean, we're in an environment right now you're familiar with and, you know, the sound, like the actual technical part of it. Um, yeah, a lot of background noise, you know, might, like, throw off your creative sometimes i don't yeah i don't know mm-hmm. but i felt good about that one uh you know it was dude that was a great trip you know and i uh it i, I didn't like ex- expect expect anything like specific out of the trip uh 
but it was it did catch me off guard like how beautiful the whole experience was not that i didn't think it was going to be awesome but it was like yeah. it touched on it touched in places i didn't know it was going to touch you know it was like uh well, i'm sure you noticed this already but um this wasn't uh uh i don't know conventional kind of or stereotypical um it wasn't ex- it, it was not the crew you would expect to be on um a ride like this i mean everybody was it was a really really diverse crew uh, all the all the all the participants you know everyone was so different so many different backgrounds and nobody really had that um motorcycle rider persona you know everybody seemed like um i mean it, you mean like the real biker dude? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, yeah, and, you know, the quotations, uh, it wasn't, there were not a real, there were, there were no real biker dudes on the ride. I mean, Damn, was, I'm taking offense to that now, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know, and, and, and uh, you know, and, and that's fine, you know, if, um, uh, that's fine if, if, if nobody was, what I don't know. Society thinks of as like the real biker dude, you know, on the ride. I mean, you got a fucking bandana on right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm also here in a Volkswagen right now. I'm driving a Volkswagen. You right fucking now. are in a Volkswagen. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, dude. What's funny is I heard it pulling up, and I still thought it was a motorcycle. It's a diesel. <laughs> I thought it was your BMW. Yeah, it's a diesel. Sure. <laughs> it's a yeah. diesel. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah, man. So anyway, I think that was a big part of like the maybe the unexpectedness that hit you was. Um, no, no, I expected exactly that. That was one thing I did expect. There's a bunch of people that I don't normally ride with, yeah. which I was looking forward to because I know at the same time anybody that's willing to go on an adventure like that, you know, that's as uh, wouldn't say it was like unplanned, but. You know, there's a lot of uncontrollable variables. Doesn't matter how much planning you yeah. do on a trip like that. There's things that are gonna happen that you can't plan on, and uh, anybody that's willing to put themselves in those vulnerable situations, situations, you know, I, I looked forward to meeting. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's like uh, everybody on the ride was definitely very adventurous and risk-taking or whatever but nobody really seemed like that they were all you know it was just like a i mean it's a bunch of like real estate people and software programmers and (laughs) me people who sell tile and but then you know we're just like we're gonna put ourselves in the situation where we have no idea if this you know uh guy carrying a backhoe i mean a uh, uh whatever you know is gonna hijack us on the side of the road or whatever hold on you told me a number one night uh, i'll never forget you were like so i got a statistics guy you know and he, oh, yeah. he you know the amount of what was it the 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 ratio of people that cross the border and get hijacked yeah was lower than the number of people that tell us that yeah yeah so um uh just generally speaking, uh, and the the if you are if you have international plates crossing the Laredo border in Mexico, then it's uh, approximately 
one out of ten that you're going to encounter some kind of an issue. Not necessarily hijacked, but some kind of issue, like a shakedown or, a, a, you know, something. And then the shakedown can happen from maybe, you know, like a police officer or whatever. And they can be minor things, like, you know, you get pulled over um, for allegedly speeding, and then you have to pay... You know, $50. Yeah, but all those minor things can turn into serious things yeah. pretty fucking quick. Yeah, so the likelihood of any of those things happening is typically about 1 out of 10. And we had 14 people crossing through, and um, only one person had a problem. Just for the record, that crunch you just heard was crickets. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Nick's, Nick and I are both eating crickets. Mm-hmm. As we're listening to... Crickets, crickets chirping in the background. Um, yeah, so anyway, it's uh, it's about 1 out of 10 that something's going to happen. So meaning if you cross through 10 times, then one time be ready for something to happen. Some kind of unexpected, maybe unfortunate situation. Or 14 riders and one bus cross through. Yeah, so we had 15 crossings, and we only had one mishap. So, I mean, we were like, uh, sign- we, we did significantly better than What the was the mishap? Um, well, uh, you know, we, um, one, one person had a crash at the border. Um, but, uh, yeah, that wasn't even really, yeah. A crash? Yeah. One person crashed their motorcycle at the border. Yeah. Please elaborate. Uh, I don't want to get into too many details, you know, because we're trying to be like respectful of people's situations and everything. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, one person crossed into the border and uh, most of the border crossings are, uh, there's a lot of commercial traffic. And typically, you know, with all that commercial traffic, there's uh, a lot of oily roads. So it was kind of slippery. And this person, um, you know, they hit a slick spot in the road. Is this person you? No, it was not me. No. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, it was not me. Uh, well, there's yeah. a lot of stuff to maneuver around. There's a lot of signs. There's a lot of... Go here, do this, go over yeah, here. Especially for your first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking spikes sticking up, mm-hmm. bumps, and yeah. road, what do they call them, speed bumps? Yeah. So, yeah, we only had one mishap at the border, and that was just a guy that hit oil slick and he fell down. Uh, got right back up, no big deal, you know? But so that's uh, not even like an external nah, not really. situation. Mm-hmm. Did I? What happened to me at the border? You know, nobody knows. You went to the Laredo Bridge. Everybody else went to Columbia. Yeah, I went to the Laredo Bridge. That building to get all the vehicle permit was fucking oh huge God. there, dude. I hate that. I, it was so easy, though. It was in and out. Well, compared to all the other border crossing. Yeah, well, that's true. Compared to the other bullshit I dealt <laughs> so, with after yeah. that, it was super easy. Just for reference, in Spanish, those are called the aduanas. Aduana is like the uh, uh, customs agencies. Yeah, the aduanas mm-hmm. fucking almost all the way down. They turn into something else. Like uh, in Colombia. Can't think of what it was called. Mm-hmm. But that was the, I guess th- we tried to do it legitimately the first the Desperado run, get the vehicle permits. <clears throat> and we ended up not having all the right shit, so we had to pay bribes right there at the fucking border. 
had all my shit together this time. Hey, how did you end up in that situation where you did get the permit, though, but then it almost expired, and then one day before it expired, you came back and you canceled it? Well, because we paid a bribe to get the fucking thing to begin with Mm. that we never needed the whole time. You don't, I mean, you may not be asked for the documentation, but you do need it. Like you're supposed. Well, that's debatable. You're supposed. You, that's debatable. There's a law that requires that you get okay. the documentation. That's different than needs. Mm. So, I mean, that your definition then is you don't need it until people ask for it. Correct. Yeah. But you know, a funny thing though about that, I recently got a motorcycle in Mexico. F- fucking cool bike, man. I fucking I love it so much. It's a uh, uh, Urban GS BMW, uh, BMW 1200. It's like a version of the R9T. Okay. Air cooled bike, 1200cc. What year is it? 2018. It's got the red. They made yeah. an air cooled bike in 2019. They make them now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, that big BMW, the R18 is air cooled. The fucking cruiser thing? Yeah. Isn't All right. It? I don't know, dude. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it's circled, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, uh, uh, but anyway, I got this Mexico bike, Mexico plates and everything. And uh, coming into the U.S., you don't need anything <laughs> if you have Mexican plates. Nothing. What? Nothing. <laughs> you can ride right into the U.S., don't get any registration on your vehicle. You don't need insurance. I mean, you got to have insurance. Okay. But you don't have to get any kind of government registration or anything like you do in Mexico. Or in every other fucking country? Yeah. Well, it's so difficult to get in America, you know? Yeah. Man, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it's really easy to get your vehicle into the United States. Uh, yeah, you just, like, ride right in. And then you... I talked to one guy. He, was in, he had an SUV, still Mexican plates. He was in the U.S. for nine years with Mexican plates. No problems. None whatsoever. Nothing. Mm-mm. Were the plates, do the plates have a uh, a date on them? Oh, that's another thing. In Mexico, there's no annual registration or inspection. You get your plates one time, and that's it. As long as you keep your plates. No way. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that does make sense. It, it's hard to get the plates, though. <laughs> it's hard to get the plates? Oh, yeah. So you get the plates though one time, that's it. So did your bike come with plates? No, it was really hard to get them. I got them though. Like how how is it hard? Mm. You gotta like schedule appointments and go to a bunch of offices and stuff. Oh man, they have another thing. Before you can even schedule the appointment, they ask for another verification. You gotta take your bike to a specific office depending on what state you're in go to a specific office, and they inspect your bike to make sure it's not stolen. And then they'll give you a number that's valid for 10 days. And you take, then you use that number to schedule your registration appointment. So it's jumping through a lot of hoops. But, man, once you get that plate in the registration, it. it's real freedom, man. Dude, like, I bet those plates are fucking freedom. valuable on the black market. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh, yeah, I went and got a inspection of the day in Austin and they're like you don't have a reflector on your license plate 
<laughs> oh my god! So they denied me. That's an Austin. <laughs> yeah, I had to go get a reflector yeah, on my license. That's an Austin. Okay. The little wing nut. I got a guy down things. here. No. God. Nah. Yeah, man. So anyway, so I I just got this plated bike in Mexico after the rally. So is it you? You rode it back here. That's what you rode back. No, I had to ride back to GS because I had the permit on the GS. And I had yeah, because you it. didn't want to like yeah. leave your American bike in Mexico and bring your Mexico bike yeah. to America. Yeah, so I've actually never done what you did, and you canceled your Mexican temporary registration at the south border when you were exiting Mexico going south. Yeah. Yeah, so I've never done that before. I cancel it, you know, I've done it 100 times when I'm exiting Mexico going north. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know what I didn't do? Mm. Or what I d- you did cancel the <clears throat> registration, though, right? Yeah. So in Guatemala, at Guatemala, I thought I was still coming back. So I just like, just pause it. And they're like, if you don't come back. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm coming back. Man, I hope you got somebody in Guatemala. No, I mean, I, dude, I just pay bribes. Like, it's simple. Dude, all things are doable in Central America. Yeah. Just like they are in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, uh, but maybe that's just because I hate the bribe process. You hate the bribe process. I hate it so much, man. It's so. Why? Why do you hate it so much? Because you can't really plan for it, you know? It's so subjective. It's. One person thinking a specific thing, and you have to be in line with whatever they're thinking, or else it's not going to go your way. And it's well, that's really if hard. You're f- not fluid. It's hard for me to function like that. Yeah, you're not real fluid. Huh? You're pretty rigid. Well, um, I don't know, man. I'm being. I have to be fluid to travel the way I do. But, yeah. But um, yeah, it's not. It's know. it's definitely a, uh, I wouldn't say it's frustrating, but it's like an anxiety-filled process. I don't like things taking more time than I expect them to take. Oh, well, if you expect anything in Central America, you're going to get let down. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Hey, uh, do you want to paint a little context to our situation right now? So the you know the fishing and all that? Oh, we can. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got lines I mean, in the I, water. I, yeah, I asked that. I mean, I only bring that up because this is so outstanding for me. Outstanding? Uh, yeah. This is a situation that I've never really been in before. And for as many uh, situations that I've been in and I promote, you know, that so many people haven't been in, I've never, uh, I've never been fishing before. Ever? Never been fishing. Never been fishing? Nope. Did uh, you not have a dad growing up? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, he wasn't. He was. Uh, he wasn't really a fisherman. He's. You know, he was more like let's go play pool at the bar. Um, yeah, I've never been fishing though. So uh, this was a cool thing though. Um, oh, dude, it's only gonna get cooler. Yeah. So we're I have, just getting started. Yeah. Um, so can I talk about this? The yeah, I would okay, like to context? hear your perspective. Yeah. So uh, all right. So. Uh, 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 all right, so I, um, you know, I live in Austin, and um, I'm in Austin a couple weeks a month from Mexico, and 
Dan invited me to uh, come fishing, and, and I came to this uh, location, just a, a very, drop on a map. Very, yeah, just a drop on a just map. Just a drop on a map. You know, there was no description, no nothing. And actually, I was going to ask some questions, but then uh, at the same time, I was like, man, I just gave people a little rally book with very vague descriptions about nothing and everyone was like all right i'm going oh, you bit your tongue you're like i probably yeah. shouldn't just start asking a bunch yeah. of questions so i just because dan right. didn't ask a bunch of questions yeah so it's all right and uh i just uh came out to this little drop on the pin that was three and a half hours from my my house and and it was a, just a dirt road outside of fort worth uh, and a river, a river runs through it, uh, and we're out here throwing nets in the water, trying to catch the tinder. And you know, these are like the little fish that start the fire. So there's going to be a big blazing fire of fish later, but to get to that blazing fire, we had to catch these little fish with nets. Uh, and it's pitch black right now. I mean, you can't even see the water that we were in a little while ago catching the little fish. Uh, so we caught the little fish, and then we put them on hooks. And then these little fish are going to catch bigger fish for us. And they're out there on a on a line in the water by themselves, you know. And, and, uh, so, and then, in theory, we go back into that water, which now it's black. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to go into it earlier to kind of familiarize ourselves with the terrain uh but yeah it's it's pitch black out there and we're gonna go back in there and then maybe we're gonna pull some fish out of the the lines that we set um but yeah it's really pretty um and then there's some christmas lights and some string lights and stuff it almost looks like a i don't know like a coffee shop in austin or something you know but instead of the coffee we're just Smoking cigarettes and drinking mezcal and eating crickets. Um, yeah, uh, and I think that the eating crickets has intimidated all the other live crickets around us because they've all gotten really quiet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we're going to continue the podcast after the f we go out to check the line, but I'm really hopeful. Um, yeah, I'm, ho I'm either hoping for two things. I'm hoping we go back out there and there's fish there and we get them. Or that we just drink enough mezcal that we forget about the fish and we just go to sleep. Nope. <laughs> no, no. We're not doing either one of those things right <laughs> out of the gate. We got to go back out there and catch some more bait. Ooh. Got to throw some more nets in the water. And then, uh, and then we'll check the line. Actually, we'll go over there. We'll get close enough to put a light over there, see if anything's splashing around. Catch some bait, take it over there. Hook up the bait. Hopefully throw a fucking a lunker in the boat. What's a lunker? It's a big fish. A lunker? A lunker. Lunker? Lunker. Toaster with eyes. Yeah. Actually, we're looking for the fucking yellow and blues. Yeah. So, anyway, I was telling Dan this is something that uh, I, I'm, I think I'm so unfamiliar with because, uh, you know, this is something we don't do much of in central Mexico is uh, fish. There's only a couple of, you know. No, they fish on the, in the ocean in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexico fishing is ocean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I see it sometimes when I'm in the ocean. 
you know, I see people with these. Uh, what do you go to the ocean for if you're not fishing? Um, there's some cool motorcycle riding, like uh, like on the coast. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's some really cool motorcycle riding on the coast. So I'll go out there for that. And my wife really likes hanging out at the beach a lot. And we'll do trips where we'll find a cool beach, and then I'll find like some motorcycle rental spot. You know, we'll ride around. I'll ride around. And she'll hang out on the beach. And, but yeah, I see these guys fishing in the. Their fishing poles are like eight feet long, and Dan hands me a eighteen inch fishing pole. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're just catching perch. <laughs> yeah, and after this experience right now, I don't know if I want an eight foot long fishing pole. <laughs> it just seems like so much work. <laughs> yeah, dude, the three footers, man, for catching perch. Now we we didn't have a lot of luck catching perch with the poles. Normally, that's where you get the fucking. The big old fucking, you know, waffle size perch. But uh you know, I probably should have I probably should have gone out and caught bait before you got here because I got here early enough and then I got everything kind of set up and then uh dude it was like a hundred and fucking twelve degrees <laughs> when I got out of my truck. It's like, oh my gosh. But it feels great now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. It feels great now. There's a couple of bugs. Brought to eat some more crickets to distract them. So, uh, what have you been doing since the race? I just got back to Austin. I mean, the race was in April, and it's July now. Um, I just got back to Austin a few days ago, or Texas, I guess. So you came back like right before your permit expired. Uh, there's still a little time left, but uh, yeah, I I came back for a few reasons. You know, work stuff. I mean, I sell tile. Um, I mean, that's the big gig, right? Yeah. Tile. Yeah. That's my bread and butter. I mean, I you know, make tile, sell tile, do it all in Mexico. And I, have, I didn't realize that that was the main export. Oh, yeah. I thought you were doing, like, all sorts of shit. And you're making it in Mexico. Oh, yeah. I thought you were just, like, buying shit in Mexico and bringing yeah. it back. No. I'm, uh, yeah, we make a bunch of stuff in Mexico. Export it direct from Mexico all over the U.S. Um yeah. Uh, My buddy Lee, he just went over there and bought some place, bought some tiles. Oh, I met him. Place. You met Lee? Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You got to meet Lee while he was yeah. there. The real estate guy? Yeah. Yeah. Resnick or what's his last name? Lee Bullock. Bullock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking solid gold, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, the first day I got back in town, I was at my office and he came in there and he was talking to some people, you know, picking up his order, buying tile, whatever. And then he walked up to me, and he's like, uh, you know, Dan Hardick? And I was like, oh, uh, you mean Danger Dan? And he's like, yeah, that's my buddy. Anyway, I told him I was coming over here today, and he's like. Oh, oh Lee's been here before. Lee's been out here and catching catfish and carp with me. He actually had a big fish tank at his house, and we caught, we caught carp here. Did he take the carp home? I can't remember. Anyways, he had carp in his fucking fish tank at his house. Ooh. Yeah, he likes them. Not carp. No. Gar. A alligator gar? Yeah, he had no, he had striped, he had spotted gar. Mm. Which is like needle nose. In his fish tank? In his fish tank. Big fish tank. Dude, I helped him move that fish tank in his bedroom. Fucking big fish tank, dude. How do you know him? Motorcycles. Yeah. Dude, I've ran into like seems like if he builds a nice bike, I find a way to break it. Yeah. He built like a fucking a thirty-eight knucklehead or some shit, and I ran into it first time he fucking brought it out. You, I just ran into it. 
on a, on a motorcycle? On my chopper, yeah. You hit it? Yeah. You hit his motorcycle with yeah. your motorcycle? I was doing burnouts, doing something dumb, and Man. just ran right into his bike and broke a bunch of shit on it. Y'all still friends? Dude, he's a good guy. Damn. He's a real good guy. Yeah. I recently got one of his puppies. You have a dog? Dude, he raises uh, American bullies, like fucking Bulldog. award-winning fucking championship bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, two dogs So he now. builds choppers, and he raises bulldogs, and he's a real estate agent. Dude, and he's an artist, an amazing artist. Oh, yeah, artist. yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing artist. He yeah. Actually, this month's T-shirt through mcshoptees.com yeah. has got some fucking Lee Bullock art. Dude, we ran into this fucking... Cheers, man. This random shop in Colorado. We were on this bitch and fucking ride. And, uh, dude, we fucking ran into some troubles. We find a shop, and sure enough, dude, the guy's got a picture of himself painted on the wall by Lee Bullock. Wow. It was fucking cool. Uh, yeah, man, seems like a really nice guy. And it's cool that he's buying tile from us, you know? Yeah, he just bought a house, and yeah. he was like, dude, so I seen that trip you were on. Fuck, I'm going to buy tile from... Yeah. That fucking place, like, this week. I was like, get it, dude. He's in Mexico making more of it right now. Can you so you just been in Mexico making tile. Can you can you hear the crunching in your headphones? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. You hear that? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so... Um, the Mexican crickets, uh, champolines, um... They're usually more dry than what we're eating right now. These are kind of, so these are moist, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not because, you know, they're mm, fresher or Seems less. like they're just seasoned that way. They are, yeah, they're seasoned. So they have oil on them yeah. and some other seasonings, you know, I don't know. Dude, so pepper and stuff. I leave the last day, the fucking, I leave Oaxaca after the race. You know, and I got like 600 miles to do this day. And I take off early and I'm going through Oaxaca. And I think one of my favorite parts of the ride was the day after i left you guys it was so sick riding oh, through the state of oaxaca thanks man i mean dude i'm telling you i had i had withdrawals the next night but that next day the ride was amazing and i stopped at this farm and they're out there like squishing fucking agaves and shit and dude and then i had this shit i forgot to ask you about this it was like a i don't know like a hot chocolate type stuff that they make with the fucking the mezcal before it's even like during the process have you tried this stuff no oh dude it's so good but anyways i bought some mezcal to take with me and i bought some chili powder and i take it down i get to costa rica we're fucking camping on the beach fucking making food using this fucking chili powder and all of a sudden i'm looking at the label and i see on there like chili magoo or magooey something and the fucking, my buddy Terry, the outlaw chef, dude, he looks at me and, like, gets this spark in his eye. He's like, do you say Magui or Magai? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, fucking maggots? And I look at the thing, and there's a maggot on the fucking picture. I'm like, no fucking way. Dude, we've been eating maggots and chili powder, dude. And it was so good. I didn't know about that. I didn't know that was a thing. Are you uh, familiar with this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you grind anything up small enough, it tastes good. With chili pepper, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 
you know what uh, I really don't see anymore is back in the day, there used to be these little worms in the bottom of the bottle of tequila. But people don't really don't, they don't really do that much anymore. Oh, I bought some mezcal. With, I bought the only bottles of mezcal I bought had worms in the bottom <laughs> of them. If you go up to Durango, they have scorpions in the bottom of them. Yeah. Does that contribute anything, or is that just like a novelty thing? It's a novelty. Yeah. But I think in the bottle of the mezcal, they use the maggots that grow on the maggot cactus. Mm. Yeah. No, you don't see it anymore. Yeah, You're not I, going yeah. to the same dingy Mexican dive bars I am going to, apparently. I guess not. Uh, I, yeah. I go, I go to some pretty rough ones, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, man. Yeah, so speaking of Mexican dive bars. Okay, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm going to tell you one story real quick. Um, just a couple weeks ago. And so I got in a motorcycle accident recently in Mexico. Oh, come on. Tell me more. Yeah. Don't I, freeze over this yeah. one. Uh, this is probably maybe like three or four weeks after the rally. Everybody's coming back home, and I go to Dolores Hidalgo. You know, that's where my wife and I live, and we make tile and everything. And that's in the state of Guanajuato. And that's outside of San Miguel? Yeah. It's really cool. It's like 20 minutes from San Miguel. And I went to dinner. And uh, had 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 you know had a couple of drinks. Nah. And oh man, like uh, you know, my wife already knows all about this whole thing. Um, and but if I bring it up, uh, she's you know, she gets a little upset, man. And I understand why. I mean, it was a fucked up situation, but basically, uh, and I don't know if you're gonna edit this out or whatever I'm not. or whatever but no no yeah I, mean, I might if it's if it's no 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 bad. I mean but basically I mean um yeah so um you know I'm having dinner at a restaurant and it's kind of a little bit outside of the town and it's right it's a it's 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 a little you know it's right next to a little bar you know that I go to sometimes and you didn't bring your wife on this excursion uh she was not there no yeah. she wasn't there the um, no um but um, as I'm having dinner or whatever, uh, you know, I end up uh, acquiring a passenger. Um, and we get on the bike and we're like, all right, let's go to the next bar. And we're pulling out of the restaurant. And, I mean, basically, in short, um, I get in an accident. You don't have to do this in short bullshit. Yeah, I get in an accident. Uh, okay, come on. What do you mean you get in an accident? Okay. All right. I, <clears throat> all right. I get in an accident and no, no, no. How? Why? What was going on on the bike that you couldn't control the bike? At the moment, everything felt completely in control. Completely, like I felt. And I'm riding the uh, GS. You know, it's like it's the. I mean, bike. it rides itself. It's right. the bike. You know, it's like, and I've ridden it thousands of miles. You know, like, yeah, I'm so confident on this thing. It feels like there's nowhere I can't go, man. Um, like <laughs> rode through fucked up shit. Um, so I get on the bike and I'm like, yeah, let's go. You know, one mile to the next place. Was she concerned? Uh, no, no. There's no concerns anywhere. Okay. Oh, get on the bike. 
and getting a little accident, and then uh, basically what, what was it? Getting a little accident. Yeah. What, so we keep right. breezing over this. Me and another, and uh, and me and another motorcycle, we hit each other. It's me and another bike, and we hit each other. You hit a guy on his motorcycle. Uh, it was a woman. <laughs> it was a really. So you got uh, a woman a, on the back. Yeah, a young and you woman. You run into another woman. Yeah, on another we hit each other on a motorcycle. Yeah, we hit each other, and uh, at speed. Slow, dude. I'm like, I'm just, I'm inching out of a parking lot onto the onto the road. Oh, she ran into you. Well, that's that's what I thought, man. I really thought that, and I was like, you ran into me, and I held that, I held that, man. I was like, you ran into me. So basically, in Mexico, there's a the law. Oh man, I learned so much this month about laws in Mexico. Okay, uh, but the yeah, um, I'll, I'll tell you another one in a little while about court. But basically, uh, I got in an accident in Mexico on a motorcycle. You keep saying that. I hit, I, I hit a person, all right? You hit her. Yeah. Thought you were but, in control. But, yes, but I, th- I thought it was all good. I thought, it, it basically, I thought it was that person's fault. And then some, uh, then the next day, I'm at the, I got arrested. Uh, I'm drunk, and I got arrested, and. So they uh, give you, like, a, <clears throat> a DWI in Mexico, or is it just, like. You know, at the moment, I didn't know what was going on, really. But what happened is basically this. And I'm only telling this story because, like, people listening to this we thing. We need to know. Yeah. No, I mean, people listening to this, they're going to ride in Mexico. So this is why I'm telling the story. All right? And I'll tell the whole story. But if you're riding in Mexico, if you're in an accident, if it's your fault, if it's not your fault, whatever the situation, the police situation is very different than here. The police will step away for a while. Like, they'll show up. The ambulance will show up. The fire truck will show up. The whole thing will show up. But then they'll all step away. They'll be like, if y'all, the people involved in the accident, if y'all can figure this out on your own, figure it out on your own, and everything will just leave and go away. So if you'd have just admitted to this girl, all right, I hit you. Or if there's a settlement situation happening on on the shoulder of the road, you know? And if the settlement situation can be... Put to ease, mitigated. It's done. It's done right there. That's it. Everybody goes home, and that's it. But in my mind, I was like, "No, Bitch, I'm not." It was that. your fault. Yeah, but yeah. So I didn't. I and I should have, man. It was like a very minimal amount of money this person was asking for. Oh, she was asking for it on the spot. Oh yeah, you uh, could have just saying, given it to her. But the you whole were... thing happens on the spot. Yeah. The so what was thing. she asking for? The whole thing. Basically, a hundred dollars. Oh like, my me- gosh! You went to jail over a hundred bucks. <clears throat> Give me a hundred dollars, and I was like, "No, you hit me. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not doing. This. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not." And then, I, and then, uh, then I go to jail. And then my bike gets impounded. Her bike gets impounded. Like it's worst case scenario. And the next day, I wake up and I'm like, "Fuck! Uh, I have to deal with all this now." And that's another thing too is um, I woke you up. Wake at home. up in Mexican jail. No, I woke up at home. Oh, you woke up at home. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. I mean, yeah. I woke up at home and. Uh, Hold on! Don't you're not going to breeze over that part. Uh, I'll get to that though. But oh, you're uh, get yeah, back to that. You all right? But uh, basically, um, yeah. And I woke up and the first thing I thought was like, oh man, my fault, not my fault. Who gives a fuck? Like, I got to go to work right now. I don't have time for this shit. I should have just paid what the person was asking. Yeah. But then I was like, all right, that's not an option anymore. I got to go to the whole court thing and everything. 
settle this whole thing out now, get my bike out of the impound and everything. And um, and I and, and then that next day, I see a video of the whole thing happening, and man, it was my fault. <laughs> like, it was it was my fault. Um, I basically t-boned someone. Like I pulled out of a fucking taco stand, just itching out, just boom. Yeah, it was all my fault. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, anyway, my point is. In the situation where you're in an accident, your fault, not your fault, whatever, dude, compromise, negotiate, come up with whatever the hell it is that it takes for everybody involved in the accident. Just be like, all right, we're all cool, goodbye. And then that's it. That's how I approach every situation. <laughs> Man. So, Dude, in Ecuador, if the cops show up, both parties go straight to jail. No... There's no figuring out whose fault it is at that point. You both go to jail. Then they figure it out later. Yeah. That's kind of a good system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I like this Mexican system. Yeah. So uh, figure And the cops are there already. And they're like, if y'all can figure it out, great. If not, and they told me in advance, man. They told me. But, um, you know, I was You're drunk. You just being stubborn? I was drunk. And I was like, you're I'm like, right. You're trying to fucking show off in front of this girl on the I'm back right. of your bike. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I fucked it all up. That anyway. was Mexican jail. <sighs> it was not bad. Yeah, I mean, it was quick. I'll say that. How did you get out so fast? Mm, basically, just like, um, they don't want you there, first of all. Yeah. Um... Yeah, they don't want you there. So, man, um, just get out of their hair really quick. And, oh, my God, uh, it's so hard to do these things when you're drunk, but just, like, be quiet. Don't look anyone in the eyes and just be like, yes, I'll see you whenever you say it is I'm supposed to be back. And then you're gone. Uh, yeah. So then, there was no, like, bailing out. It no, was just like well, I mean, no bail in the sense processed. of money. No. Yeah, and you, uh, you write, you sign off on saying I'll be back, or you just say verbally. Oh yeah, yeah, you do sign off on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And the pro but the process is quick though. Like they're like, we'll see you at eight a.m. You know, the next day. Mm -hmm. Oh shit. Mm -hmm. Come back the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. The whole thing was quick, easy, fast, whatever. I felt like an asshole. It was all my fault. Um, did they show you that video at court, I guess? Mm. Was it court? Was it what you can call it court or was it like No, basically it was like meet in this room and discuss. So they don't So they don't want you in jail. And they don't want you to go to court. They just want you to like not get in trouble and just Figure get the fuck out. out of their hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a super, uh, I don't know, what do they call this whole government in Texas where the government is not supposed to be involved in people's personal stuff? Like the Tea Party kind of thing or whatever. I don't know, whatever. But it's that's it in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, they're already there. Small government. Yeah, small government. You they, guys figured yeah, it out on your own. They're small government in Mexico, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and not they're a small government in Mexico. There's a fucking... 
They don't want to deal with no bullshit. They're like, yeah. dude, we got fucking cartel dudes yeah. running around with fucking yeah. guns bigger than ours, dude. We're not trying to deal with your fucking pity yeah. ass party on the side of the road. Come, you know, go eat yeah. your fucking tacos and go home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, in the situation, basically, takeaway is don't think of the situation as, like, take me to the fucking consulate and I'm an American. Just be like, this $100 is not going to mean a lot to me right now. I feel like I'm if you have to explain that to off. anybody, they should just go to jail. Well, yes, and that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, dude! So yeah. I've been on a pretty wild trip, right? Since oh, since anyway, just to, just to, right, yeah, uh, just to ease everyone's out, concerns, listening though, my bike is fine. Oh yeah, we were real concerned with your GS. Bike's fine. Fucking inching out of a parking lot. How about the girl on the back? Completely fine. Completely fine. GS absorbed it all. <laughs> bike is do solid. You to, do you have to repair anything? Just nothing, man. Literally nothing. Like, I saw the video, and I was like, oh, my God. We're on the ground. Like, we're on the street. Just, like, spread out on the street. And I was like, fuck. Is that me? Uh, yeah, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely you. Yeah. God damn it, man. I fucked up pretty bad that night. So what it cost you in the end? Well, all right. Uh Money-wise, start to finish, the whole thing was about $300. Uh, but the record service... What kind service, of bike did you run into? Oh, dude, there's so many Mexico. There's so many bikes in Mexico. Like yeah, They sell bikes at the grocery stores. I know. It was a grocery store bike. Okay. And it was just like a person that was, was like... like a tractor supply bike here in America. Yeah. And she was totally legit. She had her license, her insurance, her registry, the whole thing. And just and some, you fucking made her go to jail. Some, no, she didn't you, go to jail. Oh, she did. Mm -mm. They impounded her bike, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I paid three hundred dollars. Um, so yeah, the it was the costs were basically three hundred dollars cash for the fine and the impound of my bike and her bike. Um. Did she get any money out of the situation? She like she ended up taking away like fifty bucks. Cash. You fucking dick. I know, man. Seriously. You fucking dick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, f I feel like shit. I really do. Um, yeah, I fucking... I, f I fucked up, man. And then, in the end, while the bike but was... But you learned the, a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I hope I did. And then, um, uh, while the bike was in the impound, I have a charging system on the bike that I, you know, I plug in if the bike's parked for a long time or if the battery drains. Um, like the record driver stole my fucking charging system, but at that point I was sober and I already felt like such a fucking dick that I was like, I deserve it. So I didn't say shit. No. <clears throat> yeah. Fuck. Oh man, Nick, that sounds terrible. Sounds I know, so terrible. Fucking, I, I dreamt about it the other night. God damn it, it sucks, man. Like being the asshole in the story. I'm glad you told that story. Well, I yeah, 
I just felt like I had to get it off my shoulders. Oh, you just spread it out, dude. <laughs> you just spread it out. Oh, man. Anyway, so if everyone hates me now and they don't want to go on the rally, I understand. Yeah, well. Luckily, you got a good support team. You know. And it's unrefundable if you're listening and you've already registered. Are there any spots <laughs> left? It's all filled up. Oh, yeah, it's booked. Oh, dude. And um, we have two couples. Um, like, um, you know, there's 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 uh, four people and they're couples. And, and you sound husband excited wives. about this. Husband wives. Yeah, well, I'm excited because we have more women writers, you know. Oh yeah, and I'm always like, oh, I want so the ride to be more diverse. For the sport, the industry. Yeah, we need more women riding mm-hmm. motorcycles. Yeah, I think of it very similar. So I see a lot of parallels between the motorcycle industry and the um, nail painting industry, like fingernails. So fingernail and uh, and 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 motorcycle. You guys riding. just see him flipping his wrist while he's telling mm-hmm. me this right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like flopping around. Yeah, look at my nails. Yeah, so they uh, the nail painting industry. They only have like uh, you know maybe sixty percent of the population, right? There's so many men out there that don't get their nails done. And just to clarify, I don't get my nails done, but it's but I I would like to, but I bite my fingernails a lot. Uh, Anyway, uh, so yeah, meaning there's this huge percentage of the population no no you gotta be more specific here huge percentage of the population in america yeah sure or i mean you could even say like i mean i think it's um you know the majority of riders around the world are men not by much from my what i've seen i don't know okay fine let's just stay with the united states then yeah the majority are men. i saw a bitch with a fucking like three month old not even like strapped to her. She's holding a three month old, riding her motorcycle down a freeway. What? Okay. Yeah. Um. That yeah. There there are those people that they have to get to where they have to get to. Um. But then there's the leisure riders that spend a lot of money on motorcycling. Um. Well, my point is, there's a lot of the population out there in the United States. There's a lot of women that um. They're not spending money on motorcycles. Uh, you know, yeah, they don't even really think about it much. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get their money. Yeah, and similarly, it's with the 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 uh, like nail manicures. Okay, it's all. I mean, it's primarily women right now. So if we could figure out a way to combine uh, the nail painting industry and the motorcycle riding industry, dude. I mean, I really do enjoy big. this. Uh, what do you call this? Uh, a uh, the uh, the what comparison you, hey, you, of the two, the comparison of the sound? two. Oh, a parallel. The parallel, yeah. yeah, of nail painting, yeah, to motorcycle riding. Yeah, I feel that's exactly how I feel about it. Like that is a great comparison. Just imagine. That's how I feel that more men should get their nails painted, just as I feel more women should ride motorcycles. Yeah, imagine a. Uh, <laughs> No, but imagine a, imagine this beautiful pedicure, just like shifting, dude. Second gear, third barefoot, barefoot pedicure, shifting second gear, third gear, fourth gear. You know? No, I'm you not seeing it. Imagine that. No, you don't see it. No. Oh, all right. 
So you're excited to have more girls on the trip? I'm a visionary, so I see it. Oh, you see, okay. All right. But you're excited to have more girls on the trip? Um, well, I'm excited for the trip to, uh, for the right to have more diversity, generally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were able to break this right away from, you know, like the biker crowd. And my, I guess, you know, the next stage is to break it away from the man crowd. Yeah. And just get to a point where it's just like people riding motorcycles with badass nails. <laughs> Oh man, okay. I uh I I don't even know what to say to that. Come up with I something. I mean, I do enjoy getting Oh, uh, here we go now. Now. here we go, here we go. I love a good foot massage by an Asian woman. Okay. That's great. <laughs> I don't even have anything to say to that. I think it's great. It's it's wonderful. <sighs> It is just wonderful. Um, anyway, just to get you away from that, get you on a more manly topic. Uh, right now, we are drinking mezcal, um, and it's only distributed by one restaurant in the United States, and that's a restaurant called Nixta. And they recently won this oh, a very prestigious award called the Jim's Beard Award. They're based out of Austin. Whatever, whatever, right? The outstanding thing about this mezcal is most mezcals are pretty low alcohol. I'm not even going to say the name of this mezcal. I don't even know what the name of this mezcal is. But I think it's cool that we're starting to see mezcals now with higher alcohol percentage. And this is um, this is a 100-proof mezcal, which is the strongest mezcal I've ever, ever drank. So I want you to talk about mezcal and how it was, a you know, it originally was just you could only make it in one state right or you could if it was exported yeah. or how how does that work cuz uh, so it's not like it's it's made differently than tequila uh yeah so for a long but time but it's you if you make until recently you could only make it in one place yeah. or you could only call it mezcal explain this explain what i'm trying to fucking uh, get at uh yeah so what was that i don't know dude Is it good? We're good? Yeah, we're fine. We're golden. All right. I got just, a gun, dude. Like, I wasn't fine. worried, but I saw a look on your face. I was, <laughs> I was like, should we be worried? No. Was it a fish that jumped out of the water and hit I the... haven't heard a splash yet. So. Uh, what the fuck? And again? Yeah, there's a fucking cicada over there. Running into shit. I mean, I'm not worried, man, but I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing you. Is this what worried looks like? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so similarly to, and we talked about this before. So uh, there's some stuff that can only be proclaimed as a, as a specific product if it's made in a specific region. And the, with regards to, like, 
alcoholic beverages, champagne is probably the most popular, right? Champagne, to be champagne, has to be made in the region of Champagne, France. Really? I had no idea. All champagne comes from Champagne, France. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, there's a lot of things that look and are marketed like champagne, but they're not champagne, and those things are not made in Champagne, France. Okay. Yeah, and then similarly, like, so for a long time also, um, you know, bourbon could only be made in, um, was it Tennessee, where Jack Daniels is from? Kentucky? Kentucky, Tennessee. yeah. Tennessee is where Jack Daniels yeah. is from. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, so similar to that, right? So then mezcal was also very similar to that, um, but it was not um, confined to, or the region it was confined to was actually a state in Mexico called Oaxaca. So for uh, mezcal to be categorized as mezcal, it had to come from the state of Oaxaca, Mexico. But, that, I mean, but that parameter is uh, kind of silly because this plant, you know, it doesn't recognize the state borders and it just grows in these very specific environmental um, regions, right? So Mexican government, understanding that it grows, every, oh, oh, but it grows, I mean, the maguey plant, the maguey plant, magawi, as um, Dan calls it, the Magui, the the Magui plant it grows in all these parts of Mexico, right? With that have the right climate, and, it, and it's a super. We good? Is this a weed eater? I don't know what that is. This is your property, right? Yeah. This is your place. Yeah, there's somebody that lives next door, though. Okay, all right, but you own this property. We're not on someone else's We're property. Good. <laughs> I'm just saying, this part For of Texas, now. if you're on someone else's property, man. Like, this part of Texas, yeah. is it different from where you're from? Yes. Jesus, fuck, you man. You just hang out on somebody else's property? No, but like on the drive here, like, there were like Confederate yeah. flags flying. Yeah, yeah, and it's That's where we're yeah, at. Like, and then I saw you, right? I'm like, that looks like Dan. So naturally, I just opened the gate. And then I was like, fuck. What if that's just a guy that looks like Dan and it's not Dan? Yeah, and I'm here fucking showing <laughs> up in a German vehicle. He's just, he's just like, man, I, yeah, dude, you never know, man. You don't. Like, I'm seriously more freaked out to like just do something and drive on someone's place or whatever. Way more here than I am in Mexico. It's funny because I feel that way everywhere I go. Everywhere. Yeah, just because I'm from here, you know. Oh you don't, my god! You don't yeah. just like go on other yeah. people's property. So yeah. like, you know, Jeez. down there, if there's a gate, yeah. if there's if you can go, yeah. you can yeah. go. Like, yeah, they're I, not gonna yeah. shoot. And nobody has a gun. They might have like a brick or something. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the champagne thing. Mezcal, similarly to champagne and bourbon. Traditionally, it was only produced in Oaxaca, but that was not because of restrictions as to where, like, the plant could grow naturally, right? The plant could grow, yeah, the yeah. maguey plant could grow everywhere. So, anyway, we've expanded. We being the Mezcal Motor Rally, we're not just when going did, to Oaxaca. When did the laws change, or when did the uh, <clears throat> credentials change? Um, in just two years ago, three or right before COVID, in 2020... The uh, government, the, the Mexican government was like, all right, you know what? We see a lot of potential in this mezcal export market. And they're like, this could potentially be the next tequila, right? Tequila is 
one of the hugest export markets in the world uh, for a liquor. I mean, tequila is exported everywhere. Um, and it only comes from Mexico? Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and tequila only comes from a, a, also a very specific region of Mexico, Jalisco. So the Mexican government was like, well, let's expand the region and let's see if it results in more exports and more money. And they have done that now recently to eight states in Mexico. Um, Oaxaca now just being one of the states, the first state. And the other seven states, um, the Mezcal Motorelli, we've decided we're going to go, we're going to support this cause. And we want to go visit all these other states and tell people, um, you know, this is what Mezcal is and this is where it's from. And it's not just Oaxaca, but it's all these other states. So the best way to advertise that is to ride motorcycles to all these states. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. So in 23, uh, we're riding to Ziwa de Tenejo. Um, Ziwa de Tenejo. Yeah, which is a, a beach town in Mexico. I just nailed that, right? Yeah, yeah. That Dude, compared to San Miguel de uh, Allende, that's, that's good. But yeah, we're going to Ziwa de Tenejo and... Um, uh, and then, you know, every year for the next seven years moving forward, we're going to go to different, our final destination will be different mezcal producing states. Regions, states. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's exactly what I was getting at. Uh, yeah. It so, took us like 30 minutes to get there, but I was like, we're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so each year this, this ride is going to evolve to different states. We're not going to go down the same route next year. Absolutely not. Totally different. Yeah, and not only will the destination, the state, be different, but uh, the way we get there is going to be completely different. Completely. So have you already been mapping out routes or what? Uh, yeah, so the the the, the terrain is going to be very different. Um, and we're theming – so, oh, man. Yeah. This is when you stop listening to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, if you go in 23, it's going to be very different than 22. And the reason for that is um, I just feel really different right now than I did, uh, you know, when I was planning for 22. Good, good. I hope it's going to be totally different. Yeah. Now, behind the scenes, we're going to talk about this because I got some ideas. Mm. Okay. We'll expand upon give me, Give me an idea right now. Give me one. You know, I've, I just want to, I want to go down there ahead of time and hide shit. You know, like a geocache. Hide like, shit. Yeah. Like bury it? No. Like fucking stick it behind a fucking statue on the side of the road, you know? That's cool. How, but how do you tell people, like, how do, how do they... I'm going to give them clues. Are you a planner? Are you, are you going to join the planning team? Yeah. Well, fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I'm on. Seriously? Yeah. You're saying this right now, for real. I already told you this. All right. Was it a podcast what you told me? No. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, I'm in the club, mm-hmm. okay? Whether you want me to be or not. No, for, so, for real, like some of the challenges, then you'll help us figure dude, them out. Put them on my shoulders. Badass, dude. That's cool. Yeah, man. Dude, let's get some fishing challenges in there. Yeah, I mean, that's an option. I think maybe markets. Hey, are you able to monitor when people stop listening or how many minutes? I mean, I, I maybe. 
but I don't do I don't dare look at that. I'm a real competitive person, right? So if I start looking at stats, trying to like get the most people to listen for the longest time. Dude, we'd be talking about dumb shit right now. I probably wouldn't even be talking to you. I'd be talking to somebody that like brings more people, you know, or I don't know, I'd be competitive. I would I wouldn't talk to people I want to talk to. I'd be basing my decisions off of like what the listeners want to hear. Yeah. Which is cool, which I, I do, I guess, but like fuck that. That's not long term sustainability for me. I want to talk to people that I want to talk to in places I want to talk to them at. Uh but I'm excited. I'm really excited about next year's ride big time. I mean, just going back to Mexico. I don't know what bike I'm going to do it on. I kind of want to do it on a flathead. What is that? Uh, it's it's a flathead. It's like side valves. Is that a type of yellow catfish? Yeah. that's. I mean, it is. could be. Yeah, flathead catfish. Yeah. That's what we're after right now, dude. I hope there's a flathead on the line over there. But no, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, dude. So, you know, I asked you what you've been doing since the ride. I've been on a pretty fucking gnarly journey since then. And, uh, dude, but I got a bunch of friends, or a handful specifically, that are on crazy fucking rides right now. So before we did the Mezcal Motor Rally, I had a guy stop by my shop named Charlie. He was on his way to Russia. Stopped Never by my it. shop on his way to Russia. Rode to fucking Miami. I saw him in fucking Daytona at Daytona Bike Week. He puts his bike on a boat, flies to Amsterdam, picks up his bike. He's been riding through. Well, during this time, fucking Russia invades Ukraine. So he's like, shit, you know, kind of. You know, he was headed to ride the Road of Bones. Are you familiar with the Road of Bones? Mm-mm. Okay, what's well, a fucking gnarly road through Russia that they built with slaves and like, as people die, they just put them in the road. And uh, so uh, during that time, Russia invades Ukraine. So I hook him up with a friend of mine who has a tour company in Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia, and a super rad dude named Pat. Wait, the country or the state? The, the country. Oh, okay. Tbilisi, Georgia, right there on the border of Ukraine okay. or uh, Russia. Anyways, after some time, I think like. It's probably been 10 days. Maybe, hell, maybe it's been two weeks now. Charlie makes it into fucking Russia on his fucking bike, which is super rad, you know? Like, yeah. it took him a while at the border, hanging out with Pat, getting it all squared away. And I'm like, dude, that is so fucking cool, man. He's on his way. And then today, or yesterday, my friend Round the World Doug rode into fucking Ukraine Straight to Kiev. <laughs> Fucking right past all the roadblocks, military checkpoints. He's in Kiev on his motorcycle. Left Alabama. He went to the Isle of Man. He's been hopping islands up around Scotland and shit. And then fucking rides to fucking Ukraine, dude. Isn't that uh, insane? Alabama, the country or the state? L.A., lower Alabama. Oh. Yeah. That's ambitious. That's fucking crazy, right? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's it. That's all I'm getting out of you. Oh. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I you don't know if it's crazy or not crazy until you're there. You know, I mean, every like there's always all these stories about like things being so crazy, and then 
you get there and it's just like you're waiting and then you go. I mean, maybe he was just like pulling over at the blown up tanks on the road. Yeah, you've experienced that all, man. You know, Um, yeah, maybe it's crazy, maybe it's not. Um, Yeah, but that's uh, very outstanding that they're doing that ride. (laughs) Not a lot of people do that. (laughs) I mean, it's really, yeah, there's not a lot of people doing that. But when you're there, I mean, oh, come on, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you know? I mean, I do know what you're talking it's about. It's just like there's a lot of situations where it's just like you're not dodging missiles. It seems you're just one like, way. You're waiting. <laughs> just you're waiting for something. And then you go, and then you're like, cool, I can go. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I, um, yeah, I'm not downplaying any of that stuff or whatever. And, <laughs> no, but you I'm, were. You absolutely were downplaying it. But I'm actually more curious on what kind of bikes they're riding. <laughs> So what? fucking Charlie is on a fully rigid. Oh my god, that's Harley. crazy. He that's didn't even have crazy. front suspension, that, dude. He that didn't is crazy. That's fucking crazy, though. Suspension. That's fucking crazy. And the road of bones like, is like bones and dirt. Like, I don't even know if I could have rode out to this river in a fucking hard day. Like, that is, that's fucking crazy. And Doug's on some fucking goofy adventure bike. I don't know what he's on. Yeah, probably a KTM. They all look goofy. No, <laughs> it's not a KTM. It's like a fucking old Honda or something mm. or a Ducati or who fucking knows. He's probably smarter than to ride a Ducati. Uh, but Doug's been around the world on like 60-year-old Indians. And, you know, I think he did it on 1952 Indian and 1959 Harley. Hey, he, why do people do that? Why not? I mean, like, if you have the resources to ride around the world, then you probably have the resources to do it on a pretty contemporary bike. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it. So why not do it on an old bike? I mean, why would you do it on an old bike? I mean, you're asking the wrong question. If you can ride around the world and, like, take the time to do that, whatever. Yeah. You can probably go on a bike that's going to be less prone to problems. So why do people take bikes around the world that are more prone to problems? Why do they take? Why are you going to ride? A, why why do why? they take bikes around the world that are less proven? No, yeah. Like why? Why? Why would it? Like a take newer a hard bike is less proven than an older bike. The older bike has done a lot of things, so you know that it's possible. You're taking chances with a newer bike. It just depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he had a lifter fail him in like, I don't fucking, I'm not even going to try and tell you where. Somewhere in, I think it was actually in Russia on his 59 Panhead. And uh, they were able to fix it. and He was able to keep going. So if you were going to do a ride like that, what would you take? What would I take? Uh, I guess it depended on how much time I was given and what the actual mission was. I mean, I would love to ride around the world on my chopper. I rode your chopper 100 meters. Yeah, it was impressive. And the bars slipped out from the bar clamp. Mm-hmm. 
And I was, I mean, I immediately thought. That's by design. <laughs> oh, my God. You love that chopper. You're getting defensive about it right now. No, I'm just saying that's by no, design. I can, like, I, 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 sometimes I, can, I like to be four. Sometimes I like no, to be Oh, uh, no, back. no, no. Nobody's bar should move like that. Well, You're serious. You really want them to move like that? By design. No. Really? Yeah. I mean, I move them depending on how I'm riding it. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's All not right. a fucking GS. No, I'm just saying, like, you... I mean, I'm just saying yeah, I haven't you, tightened them since you were on it. You like, tighten them both so little. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it was really fun to ride that bike. I'm surprised I actually did it. But once I got it going, I was like, man, I could have kept going, dude. This fucker is sick, right? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain. It really is. Like, you were riding it around my cow pasture. Not very uh, exhilarating or comfortable. Mm-hmm. You get that motherfucker on the open road on some fucking two-lane blacktop tarmac, dude. Come on, man. Just fucking pull them bars back to where they're like, <laughs> where you can lean on your pack up against your sissy dude. bar, dude. Prop that right leg up on the air cleaner, dude. Your left foot up on the clutch lever, and you're just fucking chilling, dude. So good. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. And then I took my wife on a fucking a night ride the other night. On that bike? Yeah, push the bars forward, dude. Just leaning on her coochie, man. Just... Fucking vibrating all the way to the burger joint. Oh, man. So good. It's so good. And that's probably what I'm going to take next year. Dude, if you take that. All right. Never mind. Fine. Take that bike on the Moto Rally. Did you ride that bike? You you rode that bike to Real? Yeah. From here? Yeah. To Real? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god the craziest part was like right before we get to real i was fixing to take us up the back road that i didn't ride until mm. this trip and i talked to this lady and she was like no you don't want to go that way just to and for so everyone, she, just for everyone listening i just want to say this i still don't think that back road exists well, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I believe fine. you. So, with all your attitude no, here, no, I can no, imagine no. that you would just no. want to wish that that back road doesn't I'm just saying. I don't, I, Rob I, I, did I, the back road on this fucking ancient BMW. I saw Rob riding somewhere. I don't know where it was, yeah. but I'm just saying. I don't believe. I don't think there's really a back road to Real out of Real. It's not know. really a back road. It's just a road. I'm just. I, it's just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, don't get all mad, man. Like. uh Okay, all right. But uh, it's just my opinion. I looked around. I didn't see the back road. But okay, go, uh, go ahead, go ahead. You I mean, this is here. why I'm going to help contribute to the, yeah, yeah, to the points. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and it's very appreciated. You can't see yes, roads yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't see. I didn't see it. Yeah. So I'm on the way to Real on the chopper with with a fucking great group of guys, all the desperados, and uh, I was fixing to take us down that road. And I meet this lady, and she gives me some some mescaline, oh, yeah, some peyote yeah, yeah, on the yeah, side yeah. of the road. And 
we go we go to we she redirects us to the cobblestone road and uh you know just fucking the bike immediately like stops working like maybe three minutes maybe two minutes into that cobblestone road the bike just stops running so i pull over and i can tell everybody in the group is like you know they're talking about how their bike the you know, is not doing good on the cobblestone road. And they can't imagine us going any further. And I just ignore them all. And I just step back and I look at my motorcycle with my third eye. And I'm like, what? Oh, I know what it is. I go over there and I fix this little wire on my coil that broke without, without responding to anything anybody said. And then I let some air out of both my tires. Fucking take off, dude. Once you get to like 60 on that cobblestone, you can't feel a thing, man. Chopper's golden, dude. But I think what I'd really like to do is outfit. So I just I just built a 42 flathead race bike with a 45 cubic inch Harley motor. And I would really like to take a flathead on this ride. Yeah, let's go check that trot line. Yeah. Hey, you got anything you want to add before we get, get going? What do you mean? Well, I'm fixing to shut her down. Oh, the podcast? Oh, yeah. um. <sighs> if anybody would like to ride on one of the Mezcal Moto Rallies in the future, to visiting one of these new states of uh, Mezcal, what's the best way to do that? Follow along on the... We're kind of booked. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're booked. Done. Yeah. There's a, a lot of people already. We, got, we have an eight, uh, eight, 18 person wait list. 18 person wait list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's uh, talking about, oh, you're good. You're good there. You're good. Yeah. Hey, cheers. But um, yeah, if uh, anybody wants to ride the rally, um, then you can go to um, www. Wait your fucking turn for the mescalmotorally.com. Um, and then you can try to look back later in 2024 to see if there's an open spot. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, brother. Thanks for mm. coming out, Nick. <sighs> if you couldn't tell... I am on my second pot of coffee this morning. That's why I started rambling about Sturgis. Uh, dude, apparently Leonard Skinner's playing. John Party. The Legends ride happens on Monday. Let's see what other. Big and Rich. Puddle of Mud. I thought fucking Rob Zombie was playing this year. Somebody told me that. Let's look it up. Sturgis 2022. Rob Zombie. I am not seeing it anywhere now. What in the fuck? Oh, wait. Nope. Here we go. Rob Zombie heading to Sturgis. Buffalo Chip. What? Monday, August 8th. Get on your bike and ride like a demon. Speeding to one of the most memorable 
performances to ever hit the Wolfman Jack stage. Multi-platinum selling, seven-time Grammy-nominated, King Freak himself, Rob Zombie is making his return to the best party anywhere. Descend into madness as Rob Zombie pushes you to the limit with his heavy grooves, high-energy performance, and mind-blowing stage production. Damn, I'm excited. So apparently on Monday, we're racing at the Jack Pine Gypsy Short Track and then going to Rob Zombie. I fucking knew that. I knew that. We talked about this already. So sick. So sick. All right. Well, uh, dude, I got I got some more shit to get ready so I can take off on my chopper and ride. You guys have a wonderful fucking ride, and I'll see you in Sturgis. <laughs>